Собрана извората на парша с бой, а вошла на Хайде Грижина. Хайде Грижина е тач да пусек. Холбана и срул хойо орби мъшвойсал. Тук ме да маха в хойшах. Грижина се е да пусек. Това е, че всички в Клалис имаха ойр, всички имаха лайт в домах. So the reason they touch it like this, he says, each person, everyone has an oil. Every one of us, every yid has an oil. And that's the Nitzitz HaKudosh. We all have that Neshuma, that spark of the Neshuma. That there's, there's no one like you. There's no one like anyone. Every yid is, is individual and has a, a special, unique lechtekeit um, of his Neshuma. So the reason why, sometimes you see that one person is shining more than another person. Sometimes you see a person has a more oil. It's, it's noticeably more lechtek. That's because of the Meshuvahs. So sometimes, just like when you have a diamond and it's in the garbage, it's, it's, in, the, you know, it's, it's in the mud, it doesn't, doesn't shine. It's not, not shining because it's not, uh, it's not a diamond. It's not that shiny because it's, it's light and it's uh, sparkles any less than a different diamond. It's just in a place where it's hard for it to shine. Because every Yid, even Yidin that look like they're not shining, even, look, even Yidin that look like they're not in a good place, and you don't see the oil and the Shuma, you don't see that lechtekeit of... of uh, You know, how a yid is supposed to look and how he's supposed to shine. It's not because the yid is missing anything. It's because he's not in the right place. And if he'd be in the right place and he'll, he'll help himself become in the right place, then he'll definitely be able to access that oil, that uh, oil and the shuma that he has. Everyone has an oil, but it's, it's just dependent on, on the moish of, of, of where it is. So that's the mushal that, that the Rishna gives. And this is a chizik for each one of us, right? Sometimes we don't feel our oil and the shuma. Sometimes we feel like we're less than, we're not so important, we're not so special, we're not so spiritual, we're not so holy, we're not so, you know, Osgarbet. But I think that when it comes to relationships, I think that something important is when, you know, people look at, you look at a spouse, you look at a child, you look at somebody close to you, and that person's not shining. That person's not shining. You look down at someone. You think that person doesn't have, doesn't have what, what it takes to either make you happy or what you should respect. How often people tell me this, uh, we spoke about this recently a few times, I want to respect my spouse, but I can't. There's nothing, there's nothing to respect. Right? And very, very often you look at someone, you don't see their, their shine. So first of all, just knowing and believing that, yes, we all have a shine and everyone has one, even if you're looking at someone who seems to be very, um, you know, not, nothing, nothing very admirable, you should know it's really there. And it's just dependent on the way that person is. But what I really want to bring out is that sometimes, sometimes that person's shine and that person's moishav, that person's mashvoisam, uh, which would help his shine come out, is dependent on you. Now, I don't mean to make you responsible for somebody else's um, situation, for somebody else's madrega, uh, for somebody else's anything. You know, that, that codependent thing where I have to let you shine, I have to make you shine, I have to bring out the best of you. You know, maybe yeah, maybe not. Uh, sometimes people don't want to feel that kind of responsibility. But very often... You could be crushing someone's shine. Very often you could be treating someone in a way that's not letting them shine and earn respect. So that doesn't mean that that person is absolved from earning respect and doing the right thing. But sometimes if you could figure out what, what you could do to help someone else shine more, you know, there's something to think about. It's easy to, it's easy to look at someone and say, you know what, I'm a victim because I'm living with somebody that that's, uh, doesn't, doesn't have what it takes. I'm living with someone who I can't appreciate or respect, or someone doesn't know how to make me happy, or someone who... It's very easy to come up with, with pointing out someone else's faults and shortcomings, and then, you know, what can I do? Listen, this, this is who I'm with. But when you think about, maybe I am responsible, maybe I could take responsibility, maybe I want to take responsibility, and help the other person shine, and bring out the best of another person, because I believe that there's that inherent nitzitz um, there's that inherent oil that each person has. It's, it's something to think about.
Unfortunately, there are situations that, that make me think of this. You know, you see marriages that end up divorce. Okay, so you know somebody was uh, a relationship is not working. It's not working. That's all. There's such a thing. The Torah talks about it, right? And then you see that this person who was officially such a bad person or such a uh, you know difficult spouse or so inconsiderate or so whatever it was that, that just this person wasn't doing the right thing and so hard to live with him, and all of a sudden he goes and gets married to someone else. And he's shining. Or sometimes this uh, woman who is officially supposed to be very abusive and very chvaisish was married someone else and she's really shining. Now, I'm not saying it happens all the time. I'm not saying that. There are people that, when they're abusive, they're abusive. But sometimes you see somebody and sometimes you have to wait for a divorce situation and, and a second marriage. Sometimes you see it um, in different relationships. Now, I know that uh, marriage is different in other relationships, but sometimes you see people who are shining in other relationships and they're really shining. People see the good in them, people appreciate them, people respect them, people admire them, people look up to them. People just, just feel so good being near them. And then, and then there's another relationship they're in that, I don't know, it's just, they, they, they looked at like somebody very bad. It's something to think about. Maybe the Orbim Shvoisim is being noticed when, when they're being taken care of and respected and treated nicely. So again, I don't mean to say that whoever's not um, you know, behaving properly it's because someone else is, is responsible and someone else should be making them feel more comfortable. But sometimes, yeah. So that's just a thought. And let me, let me read two questions over here. See if this could give any insight over here. Okay. There by Gruen. When we are young and a bit immature in certain areas in life, purely because we have not have the time to experience or think things through properly, we make wrong life decisions, such as a career path choice, for example. Once you grow and you know exactly what you really want and need, you could possibly change direction if you feel miserable in a current situation. With the right amount of determination, people are often able to move on and find more suitable jobs. However, what do you do if it happens to your marriage? And you don't want to ruin your children's life by going through a divorce. You cannot change the other person, but his or her, his or her being aggravates you on a very deep level. I'm not talking about petty things that you could work around, like bad middas or lack of attention. I'm referring to serious incompatibilities, which were totally overlooked at Shidduch age and now affect you in a very bad way. How is a spouse supposed to deal with something when the option of just leaving the marriage is, is, not, is not really there. Thank you. So that's one question, right? The first question was that, uh, you know, different things in life, you make a mistake, okay? You can always change route, you know, but when it comes to marriage and there's children around, changing route is not so easy. What do you do now? Good question, right? Okay, now I'm, I'm going to read something from another questioner who just commented recently on a, a class that I gave. I sincerely hope you really appreciate feedback. In this share with Harav Benet, that was a question and answer I did a week ago in Yiddish. You mentioned the differences between husbands and wife, and while of course it's a given that men and women are different, don't you think more care should be given to the compatibility of a boy and girl in Shaduchim? Now, I, I spoke about the fact that it's a given that people are going to be different, and it's to be expected. So she's right, this question is writing that, you know, but shouldn't we try to make it more compatible if we could? And less compatibility between the boy's grandmother and the girl's great grandfather? Right? Shouldn't the focus be more on the boy and girl instead of on the families? There should be some amount of shared goal and commonality between two people who get married. The Chesidish way of marrying off very young kids who barely know each other may have its merits, but too often the focus is more on the external similarities between families than on the actual compatibility of the couple. And I think it's problematic. And I'm not buying into the reasoning that the system is working because there is so little divorce. Okay. So here you go. Two questioners that are writing that sometimes you, know, you marry someone and it's just not compatible. And maybe uh, we should have taking that more seriously when marrying off children. So let me, let me start uh, slowly. 
Okay, the first thing that uh, somebody mentioned over here, I sincerely hope you really appreciate feedback. Uh, my answer to that is I do appreciate feedback. And Mokshim, I got a lot of feedback. So whoever gives feedback should know it's greatly appreciated. Uh, compliments and praise and appreciation, that's first on my list. Um, but of course, any comments and critique and, and whatever it may be is always welcome. And I like hearing what people have to say. I try to answer emails, not questions, but emails, you know, in this regard. But uh, if I don't get to it, please I apologize. I'm a little overwhelmed. Uh, but I do appreciate feedback. Okay. Um, next, I just want to mention, I just want to cross-reference to a share that I gave this past Kisaitzai in Yiddish about maybe I married the wrong person. So whoever wants to listen to that and see if that's uh, enlightening in any way. So if the question is over here, let's, let's start with the first question. The first question is, what do you do? I got, I got a little older, I got a little smarter, and I got a little clearer, and I realized that the person I married is not the person I want, right? There, there are, there are uh, serious incompatibilities, which would totally, totally overlook that Shidduch age, and they affect a person in a very bad way. So let me say this. I'm going to start by saying that, you know, being that we're El-Ghid, and I'm not, I'm not just giving a, a Wall Street uh, Journal advice column over here, you know, with some uh, um, conventional psychological approach. I'm, we're definitely Yidin, and starting off with everything in the Yiddish, it's not a question that we believe that everything is Bashert. That's it, it has to be said. Not everyone likes to hear that when we're talking about, um, you know, hard feelings and, and, and all these kind of uh, resentments and regrets, but we definitely do believe everything is Bashert, especially when it comes to Shadikim. It's not a question. Now, um, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's true. The fact that when you have a job, and a job is also bashert, and a house that you buy is also bashert, right? Dira, ploini, ploini, and things like that, it's all bashert. Everything is bashert. The fact that you could change a job easier than, than something else, and the fact you could sell a house and buy another one, maybe not as easy as changing a job, and, and a marriage you can't, that's also bashert. The fact that Hashem put you in a difficult situation, in an area that's hard to reverse, that was also part of the bashert. You can't say, well, I took the job, it's bashert, but at least I can get out of it. It's all bashert. It's all preordained. Hashem knows it all. Hashem knows what's good for you. Hashem knows what's good for us. And when, when something happened in your life, and it's in the past, then it's bashert. Going forward, there's responsible ways to deal with things. Okay? And that's a very big uh, distinction that we have to understand in very many areas of life. You make a decision, you passed it, you did it because you were young, you did it because you were misinformed, you did it because someone pushed you, you did it because you were manipulated, you did it because you didn't have a choice. Okay, that was all part of the bashert. Does that mean that going forward you should just let these things happen again without thinking twice or without making responsible decisions based on what you now know? No, of course not. But we do believe that. Now, the fact that the Torah um, says that marriage is also reversible, right? You could get out of a marriage. Marriage is conditional. Marriage is conditional. And there are things that the Torah will even uh, encourage or suggest at least for sure or give the option of divorce. That, that's also bashert. The fact that it's hard for you to get divorced at this point because you have children you don't want them, that's also bashert. Hashem definitely has this whole thing set up and designed. So if you feel stuck and you're like, oh, how do I get out of this? What, what happened over here? It's not the way it should be. We, we have to remember and we have to mention that, it, that it's definitely Bashert and you know, it it's, it's, might be too easy for me to say. And like I mentioned recently, maybe I should be more empathetic. I understand that somebody who finds himself in a relationship, in a marriage, and they feel that it's not compatible or they feel that for whatever reason it's, very, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good relationship, but it's still Bashert and it has to be mentioned. And sometimes... I, I, I said, Hashem has an interesting way of, of having people go through suffering. You almost don't find that everybody goes through the same suffering at the same time. Why? Because then it would be difficult for everyone, to, for anyone to be mechazing themselves. So what happens? A person unfortunately loses a loved one, we should never know from it, and a person is sitting shiva, and people come to Menachem Oval, 
right? It's a job of the people being Menachemovel to know how to be Menachem. Now, of course, it has to be done with Tzaychel. It shouldn't be done with insensitivity, Chaz But there's something about that person giving Chizik. So if an Oval would say, yeah, easy for you to say, I'm sitting, I'm, he's the one sitting Shiva, and you're the one giving Chizik? Well, yeah, that's how the Irish made it. That the person who's out of the situation and not as emotionally uh, challenged or suffering is the one that's Mechazik the other person. Now, what happens when that person's uh, sitting Shiva? How come he's so sad? He doesn't remember the Chizik he gave the other person? Well, now he's the one challenged. Now someone else has to be Mechazik him. So what I mean to say over here is that, you know, hearing that it's Bashert and knowing it's Bashert, it's not easy for somebody who's suffering to say, oh, this must be Bashert, so it must be good. I know. But sometimes you have to hear it from someone else who's not going through that experience because that's the way Hashem made that we should remind each other when it's hard for someone, someone to, to see that on their own. Now, let me just mention this. If you, if you feel that it's the right thing for you or for your children or for anyone, for whatever reason, and you spoke it over, obviously with a das or somebody that you trust, somebody objective, somebody who knows your situation and means you're good, and you decide to get divorced, then yeah, Hashem, Hashem gave that option. It's not a 2020 option. You know, so if somebody feels that for whatever reason they're dealing with a situation, that's it. The, the right thing to do now is to get divorced. Go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe Hashem, maybe Hashem has something better for you in mind. And if for whatever reason that's what had to happen, it had to happen. But if you're a questioner who doesn't want to go through divorce, or you decided for whatever reason, doesn't pay for you, it doesn't pay for your children, doesn't, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter why. But if you decided you're not going to get divorced, then, then, then what, are you, what options are you left with? So this is what I want to discuss. I want to discuss the situations where people are resentful, and people regret uh, a relationship, and they don't feel good about it, and they decided they don't want to get divorced. So the first thing to know is that, yes, Hashem put you in this situation, so here you are, deal with it. Okay. So if you decided not to get divorced, then of course what you're looking for now is what's the best thing I could do. And if you don't want to know that, you want to, like, that, you know, that, that anecdote that I mentioned not long ago about the, the human being who just sits there and complains about a situation and just complains and complains and complains and looking for empathy and validation and, and I'm suffering and what could I do and there's no way out anyway because I can't even get divorced either. So, and you just want to stay in that position, go ahead, be there. But that's not good, it's not healthy for anyone. For you and your children and your marriage and your sanity and your responsibility and your obligations, you want to see what could I do? You, not someone else. Not what, what could someone else do for me? What could I do to make this marriage better? And if you're not in that mode, and you're not in that um, lane about what could I do, just me, even if my spouse would do nothing, what could I do to make this marriage better? If you're not doing that, then you're definitely focusing on the wrong point. It's, it's, it's not a question. Now, I don't think you expected me, I don't want to sound insensitive to somebody's um, difficulties and suffering. I don't think you expected me to say, you know what? You're right, the whole shit of system is terrible, and you're, you're a real victim, and I don't know, I think you're just, it's just terrible. It wasn't why you asked me the question, and if I, like I said recently, if I would say that, it would be a disservice to anyone else listening to this, because that's not, that, that's not healthy, it's not what you want, it's not what you need. Now let me mention an article that somebody brought to my attention. Um, an article from a Mishpacha magazine, recently. Now, when I read, I, I don't know why, I don't mean Dafka, the Mishpacha magazine, but a lot of these kind of magazine articles. But I remember something hearing, uh, hearing something from Rabbi Dover Alavsky from Etisrael. He said something interesting. He said that when he started getting this magazine at home, every week he had a new sickness. Because every week his wife would read something and say, oh, that's you. And all of a sudden, like, every week there was new awareness. Now, magazine articles are good, very good. But sometimes they cause damage, and sometimes they bring awareness, and sometimes it's not applied properly. And sometimes awareness is, is damaging. Because when somebody sees, and I've seen this many times recently alone, not just from articles, but from other things as well, when somebody reads about a certain um, difficulty or a certain problem, and they're convinced that the person they're living with or their child or whoever it is has that difficulty. Why? Because the, the article described my child. Well, maybe it did, and maybe it didn't. Maybe that's just how you see it. 
And if the article is helping you help your child or helping you get over the difficulty, that's great. If it's helping you just feel now understood and validated, look, even the person writing the article understands how much I'm struggling and it's not helping you get to a better place, then that was a disservice and that's damaging. So what was brought to my attention was an article that talks about um, getting it right in the beginning. Okay? article saying that's very important that in the beginning of a marriage you put in the right effort and you make a marriage work. Very important. Why? So there's a way to write such an article. Uh, again, it's only my opinion. Please, nobody... I don't want the writer or anyone else to take any offense from this. Okay? Um, the reason why it's important to start off a marriage on the right foot is because when something starts off on the right foot, it's very good and you get all the encouragement. How sometimes in the beginning, even, even though you don't notice the importance yet, but it's still important, blah, blah. But the article didn't do that. The article gave a whole scenario about a guy who was trying to please his wife and make her feel good and give, him, and give all the things that she wanted and she complained about all, all the years. And she was saying that it's too late. I turned myself off. I'm not interested anymore. When I wanted you, should do it. You didn't do it for me. And now, I kept, I'm, now I'm busy with other things. And if you want me, you're going to have to work very hard to get me. Blah, 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 blah. And that was the main part of the article. Explaining and validating how somebody could you know, be so, so hurt and so resentful in a marriage after so many years that now it's very hard for you to get that person back. And that's why the last few lines again um, ended off, that's why it's so important to get it right from the beginning. Okay. Now, before I, before I tell you my perspective and what I read over there, what I want to explain is that while there might be, let's say, a thousand readers or, or five thousand readers that are in Shona Shona and they're benefiting from the advice of get it right from the beginning. Okay, 5,000. But I'm assuming that the ratio of Shunar readers and those that are past that stage is very big. So you have 80% readers that are reading this article and saying, that's right, we didn't get it right from the beginning. That's why I'm in this situation. Now, is such an article helpful? Is it helpful to tell people that you have to get it right in the beginning? Because look, once it's already in the middle, it's, it's almost understood and validated you know, to, to, be, to not let yourself forgive and not let, not let yourself be pleased, and to have distracted yourself from your relationship, and now someone else has to really run after you very much. So again, with all due respect, I think that, that's very, that's, it's very damaging to read such, such an article. But that's only my opinion. But, now, but I want to tell you my perspective on what I read over there. Okay? What I read was that this guy is trying to please his wife, bending over backwards, trying his best, and she's saying, no, didn't do it all the years, and that's why you're wrong. Now, two things. My first, my first perspective is that this, this lady is totally off. Totally off. And I'm not saying because it's a woman. If we be a man, I would say the same thing. If for whatever reason, you went through a lot of difficult years in your marriage, okay, and, somebody was, and somebody's now trying to please you or make up, and you're, you're not letting that happen, you're wrong. You're 100% wrong. There's only so much someone could do to make up for the past. You say, I'm sorry. You could take responsibility. You could show the... And you could do things differently going forward. And I spoke about this many times. If anyone says... No, it's too late now. It's just too late. I'm just so resentful. It's all piled up. I can't, I can't forgive anymore. That person is wrong. Now, I know it's not easy to forgive. You might need help forgiving. You might, you might need to go to someone to learn how to take care of your emotions. It's not easy to take care of your emotions. But you're still wrong. It's wrong to say that because there was a pile up of whatever it was, neglect or whatever, that's why I'm not going to let things get better going forward. It's wrong. Especially if somebody's trying to do the right thing. It's like I said before, everyone should be doing their own thing in this marriage. Even if your husband wouldn't be running after you, you should be trying to do the right thing. But even if, but, but if he is, and you just sit there and say, no, now I'm playing hard to get because I already, I already did my own thing. So now I'm, I'm absolved of any responsibility. Forget about the man-woman dynamic. I'm not even going to go there because then people tell me I'm, I'm pro-men. Nothing to do with the man-woman. If somebody's trying to make up and be nice to you and you're married to that person, you have to accept it. That's the right thing to do. You don't have to. It's the right thing to do.
But now I want to give you point two of my perspective. Point two is that as I read that article, and I was thinking, not only do I, do I think the therapist who wrote it got it wrong, again, it's only my perspective, so nobody take it personal. Only my perspective. You can shut this video in the middle of watching it. Reading the article between the lines, again, just my own intuition, my own experience, my own knowledge, my own wisdom. Reading the article between the lines, I was reading that this woman was hard to please from day one. Now her husband's finally trying, I don't know, I don't know what, what happened exactly, but he's trying to get it right. And she even realizes, she can't even, she can't even make believe he's not, he's not trying to get it right, and she's still not letting it happen. So not only do I think she's doing something wrong from now, not letting it happen going forward, I'm assuming that this young man probably tried his best in the past as well. He probably tried to do a lot of things right, and, and he was probably dealing with someone who might have been hard to please. Again, it's only my perspective. But so often you see someone, and I spoke about this in the past, it was the first year of these classes, Pashtki Saitsai, at a class that I've, I recommended to many people, the victim and the perpetrator. So often you see, and I spoke about this to many professionals who, who agreed to this perspective. So often you have a couple coming for help. One is the victim, one is the perpetrator. One is the one who's never so gemacht, like in the article, that woman who's, ah, she was never pleased, never taken care of, and the husband was never the, the, the perpetrator, right? Because he, oh, he, was, he was neglecting her needs all the years. And from an objective perspective, watching from outside, you realize that, no, not that person's the victim, not, not that person's the perpetrator. Very often, not always, but very often, the person who's complaining more might actually be less victim, and the other person who's complaining less might just be accepting responsibility, not even realizing that maybe he's the victim, or maybe she's the victim. So often people involved in their own mess don't even realize who's the victim and who's not. So it's important to realize it's not always the way it's being presented. So if, if, if you know, in an article like this, you know, she waited all the years, didn't happen, now she's resentful now. So not only is she being portrayed as the victim, but she's even being validated for not letting things change for the better. I think it's a terrible message. So I think it's, it's a bad message, even if, if, even if it we write because it's, it's damaging to people who are already past the stage where they can't make the shunner shine at work anymore. And it's giving a wrong message. I think it's wrong because even somebody who's been through that should still try to make it work even if they're right and they were a victim. And it's wrong because I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's, that that situation, uh, the person who thinks that they're the victim are the victim. So that's my perspective. I, mean, I felt very passionate about, about sharing this message. So, so back to what we're uh, dealing with over here and the connection to this. Okay. <clears throat> if you're writing that you're in a marriage and divorce is not an option and you're very resentful and it's incompatible, and what do I do now? Like I said, you want to get divorced? Get divorced. You don't want to get divorced? Make it work. Now, it's bashert. Hashem put you there. And when, if, if that's where you are, make it work. So that emotional resistance that some people have and the validation some people look for and say, you know what, what should I do? I, I mean, I, I can't make it work. It's so incompatible. That, that, that should not be an option for you. I know, I know it's not easy. But the option is either leave the marriage or make it work. Not to stay there and say, look, here's the problem. What do I, I mean, there's not even really a question now, right? The question is, I mean, the, the questioner ended with a question mark. What do you do if it happens to your marriage? Okay, what, what do you do? What do you want me to tell you? What do you do? You, you sit and wallow in resentment and self-pity? Do something to make it work. Tell your spouse in a nice way what you want. And when, and when that spouse does it, accept it and make it work. If you can't do that, then, then, then there's something wrong. You might need help to get it done. But you have to remember your goal. My goal is not to sit and be resentful and say, I'm a victim. My goal is not to say, well, you can work very hard to make this work, like the article even says, that if you work very hard, it might work. No. The goal is not to say, you have to now work hard. The goal is to hear, what could I do to make my marriage better? What do you mean I'm waiting around and I'm trying to... No, what could I do? 
Maybe there's something you could do to make your spouse happy or make it easier for your spouse to please you. Maybe. Now, I just want to address another few points over here. Um, it says that you can't change the other person, but that person's being aggravates you on a very deep level. Okay, so again, I'm not sure if that's that person's problem or it's your problem. I'm not, I'm not sure. When you get aggravated by someone else's being, is it your low tolerance or is it someone else's talking so aggravating? And then you even mention, I'm not talking about petty things like bad midas or lack of attention. You forgive my saying, but bad midas is not a petty thing. And it's pretty hard to live with someone who has bad midas. Um, but very often this is referring to like uh, from kite um, in a marriage or different, perspe- different goals, different uh, principles, different values that people have. And sometimes people see that as the major thing. I want to tell you something. I've seen many situations, many couples who come from different backgrounds, okay, with different values and different principles and different things that they believed in and different things that they were, that they were uh, you know, aspiring for. And they made it work. I've seen it. And then I've seen people who come from very similar backgrounds, very similar values, very similar principles, relatively similar, and it didn't work. You'd be surprised. People think there's this com- compatibility thing. Now, I'm not saying when it comes to Shaduchim, we'll talk about that in a moment, you should look for someone, whoever it may be, because if, if you can make it work, you make it work anyway. If it doesn't work, no. But I'm telling you, I've seen people who come from incompatibilities and made it work because there was a flexibility, there was a tolerance, there was a respect, and they made it work. And they made it work. And it's beautiful to watch how you know, sometimes a shidduch happens either because there's something that has to be overlooked. It could be a medical condition which brought two people together in a very interesting way and nobody would ever think it's a good shidduch and it worked. Or sometimes, for whatever reason, some shatach and a sense of humor and you see things that really worked, you'd be surprised. And then sometimes you see things that were mamish cut out and everyone believes it's beautiful and it works and, and it's not working. So it's not... The, the, the significance that people give to that compatibility thing, I, I think... Just from dealing with situations, real life experience. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking of theory. From dealing with real life situations, I can tell you. I think it's definitely yeah, it, it, giving more attention than, than people think. So I understand that it could be a little hard to make things work when there's less compatibility. I'm not, uh, and of course, why not? <laughs> if you could find someone with the same goal, of course you want to. But sometimes you see people who are who are 25 or 28 and not yet married because they didn't find the right compatible person. And uh, you know, I don't know if that's um, if it's more compatible to stay single. So it's not a question. I also want to say another thing, and that is that, that Hashem made marriage in a way that there are parts of a marriage that are supposed to bring people closer together. If people would only allow it. Okay? There's the part where Hashem tells you connect with your spouse. Whether it's the fact that you have children, and that's where you're connecting in a certain area where you're combined and interconnected, and, and, and now you have to make joint decisions and care about something together. There are things. And then there's the other parts of marriage that Hashem puts there so that you have to connect. You, you don't have the option of staying apart. But there are people that don't, don't allow themselves to connect. They don't, they don't utilize those places in the marriage where you're supposed to connect and they stay apart. So like I said again, you want to get divorced or you think you should get divorced or it's, or it's a benefit for you and your spouse and your family and your children and Hashem to get divorced, then go ahead, talk to someone and, and get it done. But if you don't want, then, then why are you staying stuck? Why don't you try? Try. I know it's not easy. And I don't mean to trivialize anyone's pain or anyone's um, challenges or difficulties making it work, but, but try to bridge the gap. Don't, don't, don't just be busy with why you're right about why you can't bridge the gap and why you're absolved from having to bridge the gap and why you're, you, you suffered so much already there by now if the other person doesn't do tumble sauces on his head or, or doesn't, uh, you know, mama's turn herself over for you, it's not going to work. That resistance is, is a lot worse than what someone may have done to you. So, okay. Now, I'll just end off by saying, again, about the other question as well. And when it comes to Shaduchah, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say that, you know, like I said before, that, okay, just marry your kid off to whoever it is, and it, it could always be worked out. 
it, it, it could. It might be able to always be worked out. But we know the story of the Matranisa, Chazal tell us that just mis- mixed and matched different people and they all got divorced. Of course Shadduchim has to do, do, have to be done with Chachma. Of course you want to do the right thing for your child. And I'm saying it clearly now. And there's a whole topic of itself. I'm just mentioning that, yes, I, I get that. I get the fact that many people, especially when they're resentful about their own marriages, they start looking at Shadduchim very differently. Like, why didn't people take this more seriously when it was a Shadduch issue? Why didn't people ask me what I want? Why don't people ask me what I care about? Etc. It's definitely a big concern. I spoke about this. To just care about you and your image and your family and your background and what you consider compatibility without realizing that maybe it's not at all compatible. And I've seen, I've seen people totally disregard what a boy or girl say. And I'll say that the, the hardest part is when I hear people often, often tell me, from day one I didn't want this. From before the shidduch happened, I said I don't like it. After the show, after we met or whatever, I said it's not what I want. And, and, and I wasn't listening. I said, no, it's, it's, you don't want your child to say one day when things are difficult, I never wanted it. Think about that. Now, I will say something, just to stick up for the parents. That is that often, and, and whoever's listening to this, you'll also be a parent one day, you'll also see this. Very often your child thinks they want one thing, and you have a different idea of what's good for them. Okay? You see this with kids all the time, right? Your, your child wants to go to a camp, or a cheder, or whatever it is, and you decide something else is good for him. It's not, it's not always, it's not, it's not, never, it's not always just because of your image, Sometimes you think that your child doesn't understand and you're more responsible and more mature and, and a broader perspective and know what's good for him. And you know that if he goes to that camp, it's not going to be good for him. So I'm going to send him somewhere else. He doesn't want, but I know, I think it's good for him. I think that's where he'll thrive. I think that's where he'll grow. I think that's where he'll be less exposed. I think that's where... So when it comes to Shadduchim, it's not that different. I know that by that time your child is an adult. I know that by that time you're talking about life decisions, like you said, not reversible so fast. But I'm, I'm just saying that sometimes people look back and wonder why did my parents marry me off to someone without realizing that sometimes they did take your um, um, success and your, um, what's the word, they, they thought about you and what's best for you and that's what they thought was best for you. Now it could be they were wrong and it could be you disagree and it could be they were right and it could be Itaka not so happy and you would be less happy somewhere else or maybe, I, I don't know, maybe they had different things in mind what they felt were important and they felt that it's important for you. So again, I, I think that it's, it's Definitely important to take children's um, interests in mind when it comes to Shaduch. Not a question. Like I, I referred to quite a few times, there's a Sharon Torah time from Rav David Levy about Shadichim, um, making sure that your child wants to marry the person he's marrying, and listening to what your child has to say, especially by the time they're 18, 19, 20, and they know somewhat about what they want. It's not, it's not a question. But if people are going to look at the problems with Shadichim and the way people choose Shadichim, and now just justify and validate their own pain in their marriage and say, listen, you know, this is what happens when you don't find me the right shidduch. And that's why, you know, that's why I'm, I'm entitled to be very resentful and to not have my marriage work because I didn't marry the right person. That's where I think the mistake happens. That's why I wanted to mention all this. So I hope I did not come across as overly critical. Like I, like I say, I don't know the people asking me questions for the most part. I don't know what they deal with. It could be I'm totally off. But being that I understand the question a certain way and I'm afraid that my listeners will understand that way and my classes are here to benefit the public, I felt, I felt that it's very important to... You know, to understand these things. You could be in a difficult marriage and you could be a victim or you could think you're a victim. Maybe not even the victim, maybe someone else is the victim. And you still want to say, what could I do now? If I want this marriage to last and it's going and, and it's continuing, maybe there's something I could do to make it better. I mean, I just hope when we try to take responsibility, when we try, responsibility doesn't mean that you're the only responsible person, but you're trying to take your part of responsibility. You're trying to be accountable. Maybe I could do something. Maybe this person that I'm complaining about really does shine. Maybe that person is also part of the Chobunai Yisrael and the Moshvoysim, I'm the Moshvoysim. Maybe I'm the person that's, that's going to bring out the shine. And if I could do what I could do to be a better Moshvoys for that person's oil, maybe we could live together and be happy.